Okay, good morning everyone. Uh, if you can keep your Bibles open on that, uh, but it'll be a little bit before I actually read the passage. Um, okay, so my task this morning is to preach you on Jesus' promise that I will send you a helper. Now, the more I thought about this promise, and the more I thought about the connotations of it, the more I got excited. Because Jesus actually states that it's to our advantage that he goes to be with the Father, that he may send us a helper. So it's to our advantage that he sends us a helper, that we may do the works of Christ and greater still, that God may be glorified in us here on this earth, and that his kingdom of light may be ever increasing on this earth. How amazing is that? So, there's two more core main areas I want to speak, to, or to speak about today. And that's, the first one's entitled the DIY mentality, or the do-it-yourself mentality. And here, I kind of want to look at how we're not actually intended to walk alone. But we're intended to seek help, and actually we need help. And we need to be able to receive that. And then I'm going to look at the promise. And this is God's intention is for us to be in relationship with him. And we need his help to fulfill all he has for us. And that we may do the works of Christ in greater still. So firstly, let's start off with the do-it-yourself mentality. Being a man, it's easy to want to fix things myself. Uh, It's easy to avoid reading the instructions and then to ponder why maybe it doesn't quite go to plan and you're either left over with maybe five or six screws at the end and you're like, are they integral to the structure of this being sound? Or something just goes wrong and I like to blame other people when things goes wrong being a man. This kind of thing, I guess that story for me starts to highlight the DIY mentality and what it is. And it's when we try to do things on our own, when there is help provided which we need. Being a married man, the pressure for doing tasks increases. <laughs> Firstly, there's the increased nagging over the six-month period before I get around to doing the task. Secondly, there's no room for error. And if I do get it wrong, I get a stern telling off and more nagging. So if there's one lesson I've learned in married life, it's quicker, easier, and less hassle to just pay a professional. (laughs) Seriously, though, uh, and this applies to all of us, male and female, married and single, young or old. When you're not quite sure the best way of doing something, and maybe even when you think you do know the best way, actually, it's always worth, worth asking someone who's more experienced than you for advice and help. Because you'll learn tips and trips, trips? <laughs> tips and tricks along the way that will save you both time and money, not only now but in the future too. I've recently been doing some DIY around my house, and I have to say, having people about uh, who are experienced and who I can get advice from and practical help from has made jobs go a lot smoother, a lot more quickly, and without many, if any, hiccups. But I have to admit, I was doing some tiling this week, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, Probably a few hours after I'd finished the last patch of it, one did fall off the wall. <laughs> Luckily, did not smash. Um, 
So we are a diverse church here at Faversham, consisting of many different people with many different gifts, many different strengths, but also we have different weaknesses to one another. And because we're privileged to be surrounded by so many different people, it's really good for us to actually lean on each other and to draw on the giftings that each one of us have. Have you ever been in a place where you know you need help for something, but you just don't ask? Something stops you from asking that question. In our culture, we often view asking for help as a sign of weakness. It can show we're not capable of something. And really, it can be quite embarrassing sometimes to have to ask for help. But the truth is that we all have different areas where we need help. We all have weaknesses. Although initially, uh, we may view asking for help as showing weakness, I think it's actually really helpful, healthy and really beneficial for us. Because actually it shows we're not good enough on our own. I know that's a scary thought, but actually it's really important. It's really important that we grasp that. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot get through life on our own. The truth is, sometimes the help or helper that we need is already with us. But are we ready to acknowledge it, to seek it out and to accept that help? As Christians, we're called to walk by the Spirit, to put our trust in God and be led by Him. This goes beyond asking others for help, which is great and biblical, but actually we need to lean to God and trust in Him. And this leads nicely into my second point, the promise. One of the benefits from seeking help from other people that I've not yet touched on is the added advantage of building relationship with people. Shared experiences uh, can not only be fun, but actually help us go further in relationship with each other, add a different depth there. I've certainly found getting DIY advice from, and practical help from people like Alan Hopkins, Phil Stiles, Phil Bean, Ian Wall, Steve Cross. Yes, the list goes on, I need a lot of help. But... It has not just been beneficial to me in a practical sense, but has been a good time to invest in our friendships too, in our relationships. If you turn to John 14 now, verse 16, in this passage, Jesus promises his disciples another helper as he himself is about to go to be with the Father. So verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. That is, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So there are three aspects to this promise from Jesus that I think are very important to get our heads around. The first is, as Christians, God is always with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. No matter what is going on, we need to wrestle with this truth. We need to apply it to our lives. We need to let it shape our theology and therefore how we live. Because of what a difference that makes when we're going through the hardest times to the best times, to be utterly confident and full of faith that God is there with us. And it says in Psalm 23, doesn't it, that the fact that he is with us, that his rod and staff are with us, it comforts us. That he prepares a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. Secondly then, it suggests that there is relationship. And a healthy relationship requires personal investment and sacrifice. And thirdly, we need help. We need a helper to be able to walk in all God has for us. The context this verse is given in is that we do the works that Christ has done and greater still. 
We can't even begin to accomplish what God has for us if we do not get the help that is required from God. Remember, Jesus said, well, remember what I said Jesus said earlier, that it's to our advantage that God has sent us another helper. And so we obviously need the benefit brought by that helper who is the Holy Spirit. All of us will be facing situations, either things where we feel out of our depth or things that actually we think are really easy. But do we humble ourselves and invite God into that? And say, actually, God, I value you. I want to walk this out your way, not my way. Or do we end up doing that for DIY mentality? I think I know how to get through this. I'm just going to do it on my own. I think it's important for us to remember that God's ways are not our ways and that his wisdom is beyond ours. And even if we think we know how to do something, God might know something that's going to come up that we don't foresee, that's out of the ordinary. So let's seek him, let's rely upon him. Encountering God and his presence is truly life-changing. In the Old Testament, we saw that Moses didn't want to go into the promised land without God. In fact, he had a desperate plea with God, do not send us there without you. Why was that? Why was there a desperate heart cry that, we don't, that he went with the presence of God? It's because he knew it was the presence of God that separated their people group from everyone else. He knew and experienced and loved the presence of God. And that caused a desperation within him to rise up. It's like, God, we need you. And now we live in a better time. The curtain in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies, the presence of God from the people, has now been torn down. By the blood of Christ, we have been washed clean, that we may walk in, that we may encounter God. The Holy Spirit has been sent as our helper to live in us and to walk with us. Do we seek and pursue this relationship? And do we long to encounter our God? For we can walk with God, but not really encounter him. For if we take seriously the promise that the Holy Spirit is always with us as our helper, then actually we are always walking with him. But are we in step with him? Are we listening to him? Are we pursuing relationship with him? I think walking in intimacy with the Holy Spirit brings an emboldening to us brings joy and brings freedom. We were singing about that this morning. That personal encounters with God change everything. It casts out fear. I think we can miss out on intimacy of the Holy Spirit due to pride and due to a sense of worthlessness or just by being caught up in the busyness of life. I think at times like this, it's good to remind ourselves of gospel truth. Ephesians 2 states that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and yet... God made us alive to him. It also says that we are his workmanship, created for good works. Or if the case is that it's busyness getting in the way and stopping us from our relationship with God, let's take ourselves back to the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying as a church. And it's where Jesus says, Seek first my kingdom and all other things that you need will be added to you. I think allowing gospel truth to shape our thinking and seeking God first, pursuing him as the first love of our lives, 
does involve incredible sacrifice, but actually the fruit is immeasurable that will be born from it. Uh, here's just a bit of personal testimony from me that I found life can easily engulf me. The business of life, there's so much to do. Even the things, even church can become a distraction from my relationship with God because sometimes there's just so much to be doing. Recently, I found myself, this is probably the last week of work I had before breaking up for Christmas. I, the first thing I'd do when I got home from work was I'd get my Bible, I'd kneel down in the lounge, I'd find a psalm and I'd just worship God for 10 minutes. No other agenda, even if I knew I had other things on, the things I had to do. That's, in all honesty, usually when I get home from work, I spend 10 minutes deciding what to do anyway. So I usually waste that time. But actually, that time was so edifying and so good and helped me feel so close to God. And I really felt him speak to me in those times. And it was just left me with a wow factor. Like, do we make those 10 minutes? Do we, get, do we make time just to seek God first? Also, things can, yeah, things can just easily creep up above God in our lives. I particularly can get caught up in guitar. So much so that I can spend every spare moment watching guitar videos or looking up new guitar equipment that I can buy, that I can purchase. Uh, and none of that in and of itself is wrong. But I think each and every one of us knows in our heart when something that's good becomes the bigger thing. It gets in the way and starts to suffocate our relationship with God. And it's down to each and every one of us to be aware of that. And maybe even today's a good time just to sit and think, is something starting to suffocate God in my life? And if so, deal with it. Don't leave it hanging. Actually, put it back in its right place. We need to be able to identify these things. Because otherwise they just become false idols in our lives. So it is for our advantage that Jesus went to be with the Father so he may receive another helper. So can I ask, do we know this helper? Do we believe and know, truly know, that he is always with us? And do we seek out and accept his help? Adam, if I can ask you to come up now. Can I ask you maybe to discuss those questions with people and just be real and honest. It's, and it's not a thing of beating yourself up, but actually it's an opportunity to move forward, to grow and to experience new freedom. Now Adam's going to speak to us about the provision and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I'm just going to pray for him. Uh, Lord, I thank you for Adam. I thank you for the things that you've put on his heart for sharing this morning. Lord, and I just pray that your grace and your anointing will be upon the words that he speaks, that we'll have soft hearts to hear what you have for us as a church today, and that as the words that Adam speaks hits our hearts and minds, that we will be changed right there and right then, for your glory, in your name. Amen. Where are you going? Am I on? Yep, I'm on. Good stuff. Okay, thank you very much, Pete. Starting off with our three-pronged talk this morning. Um, so yeah, as Pete mentioned, um, I'm going to be speaking about provision this morning. So who Jesus sent. So in John 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever, whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So what an encouraging, exciting, and yet challenging piece of scripture. I've got ten minutes to share something that's so amazing into such a small amount of time. So I hope I, hope I do it well. Um, so as much as I don't want to talk about work, having had two and a bit weeks off, um, my job fits into the theme of my part in this talk very nicely. Um, for those of you that don't know, I work for a local training provider uh, called CXK. My specific role is being deputy team leader on the Prince's Trust team programme in Sittingbourne. So it's a programme which provides provision for unemployed young people aged between 16 to 25 years of age. So we provide a programme for that age group uh, in that area in the hope that they learn, pick up and develop the necessary skills along the way to either get back into education or to go into employment or further training. With all that in mind, um, I can clearly see how the two are related, both in the line of my work to a far, far lesser degree and that of the Spirit's help. I'm reminded of that line that we sometimes sing, with the Spirit's help, I can journey on. So the programme I work on provides a solution to a need. So Pete started this, this morning off by talking um, about the promise Jesus made. I will send you a helper. That is as much of a needed statement then as it is now. He will send us help. So as Pete's already kind of touched upon, we're going to kind of overlap, I'm sure, over the course of this morning, the three of us. You might have come this morning thinking this is a bit different to normal. We've not done something like this in a while. But I want to encourage you to just keep on listening and, and bear with us because it's encouraging and nourishing stuff. So the scripture that I said at the beginning, you may have felt quite daunted by what I said. He will guide you into all truth. Help has come. So I'm not sure whether it's a culture thing, like an all or nothing approach, as Pete said. But knowing that the Holy Spirit can guide us through all things may actually be quite daunting. It may cause us to stop and think, but, but you don't know what I'm struggling with. Or on the flip side, it could be, actually, I'm okay at the moment. We've not done much of this Holy Spirit stuff, and quite frankly, I either don't need it, I don't want it, or any of those kind of options. Now, I don't want to step on Neil's toes uh, with what he'll be bringing shortly, but there is sometimes, more often than not, a responsibility that falls on our shoulders when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So on the programme that I work on, there is a lot of emphasis on reviewing. Sorry to keep on talking about work. Um, so at the very beginning, we get the young people to rate themselves a score of one to six on a range of various topics. And it's called My Journey. You know, they've come on, they've started this programme, and right at the very beginning, we're getting them to look at themselves. What are they like in areas such as confidence, in leadership, and so on. And we get them to the review their scores a further two times throughout the process. Throughout the 12 weeks, a further two times. This is looking at me a bit sceptical. I probably said that a bit wrong. Um, but don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to score yourselves. So when the young people start this programme, it's not a case of 
they've scored themselves and that's it. We don't want to know much about them. The fact that they've scored themselves and it's kind of going through the process a couple more times, we want to see growth. We want to see kind of the areas in which they're kind of moving, they're changing along, along the way. So, as you know, hopefully, uh, we've just come to the end of one year and are springing into action on this new one. You may have spent the last few days of 2015 not only finishing off the turkey, but reviewing what the year has, has been like. And also spent time on looking at what's to come, what is going to happen for me in 2016. And that will be an ongoing process as well. I remember when Paul asked both myself, Pete and Neil, about speaking at this meeting. And I was really excited, especially about the fact that I got to do provision. It's something that I'm quite uh, excited about. What should we call it, said Paul. I replied, fire fall down, kind of off the cuff, fire fall down. And he loved it. He said it was a good title. It says in Hebrews 12, 28 to 29, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now a few weeks ago, just before Christmas, Paul, Nigel, Pete, Neil and I met up uh, to pray ahead of this morning. As Paul mentioned, Nigel's obviously been in worship this morning and it was kind of Paul's idea of of what we were going to do. There was a real emphasis on actually recapturing the awe of the Holy Spirit, that we were coming to a place first Sunday of the new year, that we're going to just kind of dwell in his spirit. So because of the new covenant, we can live with the blessings of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's awe-inspiring, isn't it? We're living in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What an absolutely amazing truth that God sent his son to the earth to live a sinless life. Jesus then took our sins at the cross promised the Holy Spirit, ascended to heaven, and then the Holy Spirit came. So what a great way to start the new year here at FCC, having not one but three men proclaiming the good news that we have access to the Holy Spirit. Our God is the God who provides. But why did I mention my work? Why did I bring the tone down by mentioning work on the weekend before going back? Here's why. As good as I know the programme is, having done nine of them, I've lost my space, uh, as good as I know the programme is, each of my young people has a responsibility with the way in which they interact with our provision. So as good as the programme is, as all the amazing stories that I've seen along the way, all the young people that I've worked with that have gone on amazing journeys, each and every one of them, it is down to them. It's kind of their responsibility of how they they interact with the programme itself. So it says in 2 Timothy, we all have a responsibility to guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So the Holy Spirit is entrusted to us. To go over Pete's scripture, it says in John 14, 15 to 17, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, 
Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. So after Jesus had ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. I love it in Romans, where it says in chapter 8, verses 1 to 2, there is, now, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's just kind of let those words sink in our minds ahead of this new year. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. What provision? We can now live with no condemnation. So we read in Galatians chapter 5, verses, I think it's 16 to 24. I can't read my written note. Um, It says this. It's entitled, Keep in Step with the Spirit. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have Christ crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we follow these things, it says in verses 25 to 26, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. This morning, wouldn't it be incredible to see the Holy Spirit break out across this room? That we would become a church that is more and more led by the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So, in conclusion, a provision is the solution for a need. For some, the fruit of doing the team programme, what I work on, will result in them finding work, going back into education, or finding more further training. The fruit for us, by keeping in step with the Spirit, and desiring the Spirit, not the flesh, is that we will bear the fruit of, verses 22 to 23, but the fruit, sorry, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. So as I mentioned earlier, with the Spirit's help, I can journey on. I think I was a bit shorter than Pete, but I'm now going to hand over to Neil, who is going to come up and share how we live out this journey. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have sent a helper 
Lord, that you have provided the Holy Spirit, Lord, to us. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that as Neil comes to speak and share what you've put on his heart this morning, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you keep on challenging us about this, Father, that you would really stir something up this morning, Lord Jesus, within us. Lord, I pray for Neil, Lord, that he would just uh, see your words in front of him, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Right, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. I um, came down with a bit of a sore throat yesterday, and I thought I wasn't going to be here um, last night shivering in bed. But um, through the power of prayer, I am. Um, I started getting over my sore throat this morning, felt quite good, and then I've made it worse again by just singing out. <laughs> um, because what a joy it is we can come and uh, worship our Lord freely um, without persecution. So I just couldn't help sing out this morning. So I made it a bit worse again, but... We'll get through it. (laughs) Um, Isn't that amazing? We've already heard from the two guys today that God has sent his spirit to help us and to assist us with daily lives and to guide us to all truth. I emphasise daily as God did not send his Holy Spirit for us to forget six days a week and invite to church on Sunday. And I'll get back to that in a bit. Emma and myself were at a New Day Leaders Conference a couple of years ago. We were in a meeting listening to a speaker I can't remember his name, but he had one story that I've always remembered. He said that he was visiting an African nation, during the, and during the Sunday meeting, he was standing at the front of the church, uh, church with the leader, when he noticed a mist-like cloud type of thing enter the room. He was obviously a bit taken back by this, wasn't quite sure what it was, but could see that the leader wasn't really, you know, phased, and the congregation were just taking it as it was. So he turned to the leader and asked him, asked him, do you, do you know what's going on? What is this? And the leader just said, oh, yeah, that's, that's the Spirit of God. That, that, like, you know, that's the Spirit of God. It's here. Um, the speaker we were listening to said the leader was so unshocked to see, the, see it there and the congregation was just ready to receive it. I've heard many stories of amazing presences being known in really tangible ways. This one has always stuck with me, though, because of the leader's response. Emma and I heard that the church received something like this almost every week. The spirit was just expected. They didn't, that didn't mean the congregation was not excited to see the spirit and it hadn't just become another thing to list off on a Sunday service timetable. But it was something the church expected would be there every, and they were always ready to receive it. The speaker said that it was one of the most amazing things he had ever seen. Do we not want that? To be so used to the spirit being of us that we come on a Sunday and expect it to be here as part of our meetings moving in amazing ways. I'm not saying the spirit doesn't move in us, but I am saying I have never experienced something so tangible as that. I would love for this church to be spirit-filled every Sunday, ready to tackle the outside world. I tell you what though, it's not just about Sunday. Yeah, it would be amazing to see our whole church family encounter the Spirit of God weekly. But what we need to do is live by the Spirit daily. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Obvious statement time now. As Christians... We want to live God's way. 
Verse 5 says, But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We need to set our minds on the things of the Spirit every day. The Spirit is a lifeline, a need. Not just a want, but a need. Without it is death. We cannot live holy lives without asking the Spirit to be alive in us and help us every day. As Pete said, well actually, as Jesus said, it is to our advantage. So why wait? Let's start living spirit life today. In a moment, Paul will be coming up and starting to call his church an encounter of the Holy Spirit. We want to see the Spirit move in tidal waves and for this to be a regular occurrence. Some in the room would have been baptised and that is something we do only once. But some in the room would have been baptised in the Holy Spirit. That is something we want to do all the time. We want to make that a regular occurrence. We need to be asking for more, to be overflowing. So full up that when we go out in our daily lives, we can't help but spill it on the world. We need to be affected before we can affect others. One thing that has really started bothering me recently is the attitude surrounding swearing. I am someone who frequents Facebook and the certain pages I read that have comical videos and funny stories on them. But occasionally, there's one thing that bothers me. There are things about swearing, about how it's clever, funny. Um, there's even, well, suppose this study that people that swear more are smarter and more trustworthy. Swearing has become a part of our culture so much now. And I'm sure there are other things that bother you that have become um, accepted as part of life and actually things that are not accepted but still need to be eradicated from human culture. Well, we need to be living spirit-overflowing lives so that we can start to make these changes. Paul drew my attention to um, the 1904 Wales revival the other day um, and I felt it was quite a good example of what I've just shared about swearing. Such was the effect of the move of God on the whole country that political meetings were cancelled, football matches had lack of both players and fans as most wanted to attend revivals, theatres had to be shut, shut down due to lack of business, firms that sold alcohol and promoted gambling went out of business, former prostitutes started to hold Bible studies, local stores were unable to keep Bibles in stock due to high demand, and this is the bit, donkeys that would pull the coal of the pull the coal out of the mines, had to be retrained as uh, they did not understand the new language that the lack of profanity and cursing in it. I mean, <laughs> this is the point I'm getting at. We need to be changed to change others. Miners were affected so much their donkey did not understand their clean language without swearing. Even the donkeys were affected. Not in the way the humans were and the way we hope to be, but still, that proved the power of the, that the spirit holds. These revivals, or this revival, was led in part by Evan Roberts, a Welshman who felt the Holy Spirit wanted him to move, to move towns and start teaching young people, which he did. His obedience, in a fairly small matter, is what led to revival. He began travelling and preaching across Wales. There is no set formula to receiving the Spirit or to sparking a revival. We cannot all move to another town and teach young people about Christ in hope the Spirit will move. But Evan's four main points still stand, which are confess all known sin, receiving forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Remove anything in your life that you are in doubt, or, in doubt of or feel unsure about. 
Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. Publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read those again. Confess all known sin, receiving forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Remove anything in your life that you are in doubt, in doubt or feel unsure about. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. Publicly confess the Lord Jesus Christ. For me, the third point is what I'm trying to get at today. Be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. Once more, be ready to obey the Holy Spirit instantly. So before Paul comes up and we start to do this, I want to say one more encouraging thing. Who has been to Pizza Hut or anywhere that does free refills of drinks? Yeah? You pay once, you get your glass, and that's it. You can refill it as many times as you want. Well, the Spirit works a bit like this. We accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, and we become a vessel ready to be filled with the Spirit. Once we've been filled up, we don't have to accept Jesus as our Saviour again. We have. We don't have to let our glasses get empty or do anything particularly special to get another drink. We can take one sip of that drink and then instantly get refilled. We can fill our glass over and over and over again for the rest of our lives. No one is too young, no one is too old. We can fill that glass till it's overflowing. And I will tell you what, any that spills over won't hit the ground and be wasted. Someone else might or will receive a taste. If we try to live on a half-empty glass, there will only ever be enough for us to get by. But if we daily... Start some, st- starting today, if we daily come back for more, we will start to affect the people around us and we can see change. 